You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Thursday morning, as you are listening, on a Wednesday evening after work as uh, as we are recording. I've got a nice Baltic porter in my hands, a nice after work beer. And uh, we're here to talk some linebackers. We're here to talk some spring football. But before we do that, uh, we have... One of the more uh, fascinating stories of the last year, I would say, Scott, this blew up in our group chat today. And Dwayne Stevens, longtime Michigan State assistant basketball coach under Tom Izzo, got the head job over. He is a Bronco over at Western Michigan and took the flight. (laughs) <laughs> from from Lansing to Kalamazoo. Uh, I know we have some thoughts on that. First of all, I just want to say that the media um, collectively creaming over Tom Izzo being there. I'm like, okay, yeah, he was his assistant coach for 19 years, I think, and it's an hour away. Like, yeah, I'm guessing Tom Izzo is going to make the trip. I don't know what more important things he would have going on this week. But, but yeah, Dwayne Stevens taking the jet over to Kalamazoo. I know you have some 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 data that you were happen to look up for this. It's just uh, ridiculous. It's, it's a flex. It's a flex. Uh it's certainly posturing. Um yeah, I mean you gotta look good gotta look good when you arrive for the first time ever. Um yeah, so we looked into this a little bit way more than we should have. So it's about <laughs> a 15 minute drive from Michigan state to, uh, to Lansing airport, about another 20 minutes from, uh, Kalamazoo airport to, uh, Western Michigan's campus. So all in all, he probably saved about 40 minutes, uh, drive time, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's sure what, like an hour some. and a half drive hour, 20 minute drive, hour, 20 minutes. Yeah. So I'm sure he lost some on the ground in the plane on both ends. He got the time in the flight. I don't think he saved any time taking the jet certainly didn't save any money for the taxpayers or whoever's budget it's coming out of um burn a lot of gas to get there so i hope it was worth it that's We're just a gonna... blatant middle finger to the taxpayers and the planet for that one <laughs> which hey i respect it on some level but that was hilarious yeah hey congrats to him though uh obviously he's been paying his dues in the michigan state program for a long time his name's bubbled up at least the last five or so years not necessarily linked to specific jobs and honestly i'm not that in tune with the 
college basketball coaching rumor mill. Um, but at least around Michigan State, he was a guy that I think a lot of folks expected to make a move like this for a long time. Uh, it's nice that he's kind of close to home. I'd imagine if not this next season over the next few years, we'll see him uh, on the other bench playing Michigan State. So um, by all accounts, a great guy, very deserving. And uh, hopefully he will do big things over there at Western. Yeah, I mean, certainly happy for him. It, it, the interesting side is, again, we're not a basketball podcast, but he was kind of the, like you said, it's been a long time coming. And at a certain point, it just became, well, whenever Izzo retires, he's probably the guy. And now with that door closed, it's going to be really interesting to see what direction we go when that time comes. Obviously, the the ideal candidate would be Drew Valentine over at Loyola uh, if he's ready for that step up, uh, which I think he certainly is. But that's going to be an interesting conversation for for another day. But that that was just something that caught our eye that we we thought was hilarious on the group chat today. Uh, James Pyatt heading to the Masters, Spartan dog. He, you know what I really love about him? He is representing twenty four seven. He's got the Spartan logo on every polo he's wearing, on every hat that he's wearing, on the golf bag. Like that guy makes no mistake about where he went to school. So it's it's pretty cool to get that kind of publicity out there. Um, he's got a really good group that he's going to be playing with. So if you are a golf fan or if you're not, I mean, the Masters is one of those events that you don't have to be a golf fan to watch. And uh, I think uh, if if you are tuning in, uh, you know, check out the schedule. See if you can uh, find a way to get him on your screen the Masters app for those who are not golf fans and don't typically watch. The Masters app is phenomenal. You can kind of choose the groups that you're watching. So we'll keep an eye on him. We'll be supporting him. As the amateur champion, it's very unlikely that he makes the cut, but um, rooting for our Spartan dog nonetheless. Yeah, he, uh, side note, of all of the kind of, um, and I don't even know how many teams have these, but all the sports that have like their own sub logo of Michigan State is the golfing Gruff Sparty the best. I don't know if That's you've seen sweet. that. It's, where it's not, like, yeah, yeah. It's not an actually like official thing, but it is sweet. Yeah. Let's see. Is he, so he's not in one of the, I was thinking he might be in one of the featured groups. Uh, you know, they do, they follow a featured group uh, a couple in the morning a couple in the afternoon but James Pyatt is not in that even though he has Justin Thomas so you can't tune in that way but you can in the mornings so he tees off at uh, I think 10 45 tomorrow uh, tomorrow being Thursday while you're listening it's either today or day before whatever 10 45 Thursday uh, you can tune in to like holes four five and six you can hold holes 10 11 12 so you'll be able to catch him around there if you're diligent about getting on masters.com or their app and, and bouncing around. I'm sure the highlights will be on Twitter as well. If he, uh, if he does anything of note, but. So I, I have a master's question. We we're blitzing through this pretty quick here. We can get down a quick rabbit hole. The, I don't know if you saw this, the, so every year, the, the masters champions, they get together a week of the masters and they have the champions dinner, the masters club dinner. And the previous year champion picks the menu. And last year was Hideki Matsuyama from Japan. 
and the menu came out on Twitter. Uh, the master's link tweeted it and the appetizer assorted sushi, sushimi, nigiri, uh, yakitori chicken skewers. The main dish, there were two choices, the miso glazed black cod in a dashi broth and a Miyazaki Wagyu beef. So it was a Wagyu beef ribeye, mixed mushrooms and vegetables with Sancho Daikon Ponzu, which I have no idea what that is, but I know what Wagyu beef is. <laughs> and then there was a Japanese strawberry shortcake for dinner. All of it sounds absolutely incredible, first of all. The question is, Scott, if you were in charge of a a big dinner, let's say, for example, uh, I won't I won't put you necessarily on the spot because I know a lot of this is out of your control. You have a wedding coming up in this calendar year, which I will be attending. And on some level, you have a choice of what to serve for dinner. Now, obviously, as the groom, you don't have a ton of choice, <laughs> I'm sure. But if you had kind of this type of event where you could just bl- blank check, you doesn't matter. The cost is not an issue. And uh, and you can pick the dinner for a group of people. Is there anything that stands out that would be a certainty on the menu? That's tough. Uh, yeah, I can't disclose my wedding menu. I would be, I don't know if I'd be having a wedding later in the year if I did. <laughs> uh, it's the little things, you know. Um, man, if I was, if I was planning... I'm a, I'm kind of a simple guy. So like a lot of fancy foods, they're delicious, but they're usually not what I reach for. Like I like burgers. I like barbecue. I like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The first thing that stood out to me was brisket. I, yeah. it's one of those things that every time you have good brisket, it's the best thing you've ever had like in that good. moment, in that moment that you're eating it. You're like, this is the best thing I've ever had. This is no good. So I would have brisket as the main. That brisket was that's is, really the only thing that stood out for me. It's touchy because you got to cook it right, right? Brisket's right. like notorious for drying out. And even places that are supposedly good barbecue places, I've experienced plenty of dry brisket. So like right. I know it's and that's where they again can't even do it right. Blank check comes into play yeah. where you're like, give me the best brisket. Yeah, that's... fly in the brisket guy. Whoever <laughs> yeah. he is in the world, fly him in. Find him, get him, fly him in. Uh, guy Fieri. No. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I want Guy. <laughs> Would you go like just like the perfect dish of like your favorite thing? Or would you get anything exotic in there? Like something, obviously Hideki Matsuyama has a Japanese right like well and that's so that's the thing as a polish as a polish guy i would love to just do a full polish like you would have the pierogi you would have the guampki you would have the croquette you would have jurek you would have barst you would have the whole polish cuisine but that's something that i eat once a week so it's not really anything special the one i'm waiting for the master's champions dinner where you would have just like chicken nuggets cheeseburgers you know like like eventually there will come a time where just a a grown child like if my dad won the masters son 
<laughs> if my dad won the Masters, it would be nachos. It would be pizza. It would be like... <laughs> Ooh, pizza. I think I'd go with the pizza. I'm, I'm a total pizza snob. I love pizza. And like the... It's got to be just basic, right? I mean, I've had fancy pizza too, and it can be good. But like, if you're going for the quintessential quintessential pizza, it's got to be just your dough, your sauce, your cheese, and then like one or maybe two max thin the crust, classic toppings, deep dish, Detroit style. What are we doing with the crust? So I can respect a lot of different styles. I grew up on Jets pizza and and love it, uh, but. Living out in New Jersey now, New Jersey, New York area has obviously it's known for thin crust and I'm a total convert. Like it's yeah. good. Thin crust pizza is unbeatable. Um, the only but, time, the only time I really want a thick crust is when I'm hungover. Nowadays, yeah, just I feel yourself. If it's like bread. just a normal, Hey, it's Friday night. Let's grab some pizza. I rarely am in the mood for something really thick and doughy. Yeah. hangovers totally different story so the uh our favorite pizza place like two blocks away i live in hoboken it's called uh 10th street pizza and pasta you're gonna, if somebody's so inclined you're gonna get real close to me on google maps but don't come looking for me it won't be as exciting as you think um so 10th street pizza and pasta in hoboken uh dave portnoy although i'm not the biggest barstool fan he happened upon 10th street and uh got himself a slice or got himself a pie gave it a great rating i don't know what his rating scale is but he gave it a great rating and from that day on for like six months this pizza place this hole in the wall pizza place had a bouncer out front because the crowd (laughs) was so mad people were coming over from new york people were coming from pennsylvania from connecticut to try this pizza it was our favorite like like you said, Friday night we just want a piece of we just want a you know a pie. We want to make it simple, have a nice like pizza and a six pack kind of night. Totally blew that up. Like you could not do it anymore. It was like two and a half hour wait for a pizza. It was brutal, but good for them. They uh, obviously their their business is still doing great. You can get in now again. You can get some pie again. Um, yeah, that was an interesting saga. But uh, yeah, pizza, I could go for like, it, it's got to be well done too. the cheese has to start to brown up a tiny bit. Like the crust is getting nice and not quite charred, but like well cooked. I don't like chewy dough. So that's what I'm serving at the masters. There we go. Yeah, we you'll get the pizza. I'll get the Polish spread and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But... Dinner for two. No one else. Will yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it is funny seeing sometimes you get like the Wagyu beef and you're like, God, these guys live on a different planet than us. Yeah. Um, so outside of that, the only other news is incredibly noteworthy because Kansas won the national title over North Carolina in, in what was a pretty exciting, thrilling game not the important part the important part of that game which the whole nation was tuned in for i saw that was like the the highest rated tv audience ever in a championship game or something that that was shocking to me i saw come across the twitter timeline and all of those people those millions 15 million people were tuned in to see if scott brown won the standing room spartans bracket challenge and it seems like he did Scott, you have the uh, the final results there, the final tally. Yeah, so it was Scott Brown against Coach K uh, in the final. Coach K was just holding out. He couldn't get any more points. But uh, 
I don't know who Coach K is. That's why I'm just referring to it by the bracket name. Um, but Kansas came through after spell, the four. You can't spell second place loser without K. Actually, third place. Second place was Coach K farewell to her. You also uh, can't also spell had... third place loser without K. So it fits. Uh, yeah, so Scott O'Brown, 970 points. Coach K farewell to her finished with 960 points. So those of you who say the first round doesn't matter, they're only 10 points a game. Well, the first round mattered. It's a 10-point margin when it came down to it. Uh, I finished in seventh. Kevin, I don't know if you want me saying this out loud. I got to scroll for a bit. Uh, <laughs> you got you to scroll. <laughs> what was yours called? Chop, chop? It was, uh, yeah. Oh, you were ninth. Okay, you made a comeback. It wasn't too you were, bad, yeah. You had a rough Kansas... like, first day. And then you rallied. Yeah. Kansas going to the title. I had Kansas in the title game and that saved my dignity in the, in the bracket challenge. Nice. Well, yeah. So there you have it. SL Brownie, Scott Brown, friend of the podcast, longtime friend of the podcast. One of the OGs. Really, Uh, really though. We, we love, we love Scott Brown on this pod. This is a Scott L Brown Stan podcast, if you will, as the millennials or Gen Z would say. This is a Scott Brown podcast that talks about Michigan State football, but we're really here for Scott. Um, right. And soon yeah. Scott Brown will will join us on the pod. We'll have yeah, to get we'll in touch through. with Scott and uh, we'll we'll set that thing up. If you don't follow him on Twitter or wherever else, you may not know his backstory. I'll just leave it at that. There's there's an exciting twist to our tournament challenge champion here uh, that will add a little bit of flavor to the pod when we can get him on here. So. Um, if you know what Looking I'm talking about, to it, you know, man. but, uh, yeah. So Scott, if you're listening, hopefully you've stuck with us after a couple of years <laughs> of uh, diligent fandom and, and you're ready to get, get your uh, mic voice on, get the pipe stretched out. Um, you may be hearing from Scott soon. Yeah. Just Scott, if you, I know you're listening to start calling in to local radio, you know, just just start preparing yourself, and uh, and we're we're very much looking forward to having you on. So this, sometime this off season, we'll set it up, and uh, and we'll get that thing together. Scott, are you a UFC guy? You ever uh-huh. watch UFC? Uh, I watch it sometimes. I'm not like a diehard. You know, I'm not paying for the pay per view. Uh, I'm not. Um, I don't know the fighters, but. I'm intrigued if it's on and I don't, you know, I have some time to kill. I'll, I'll put it on there and watch guys, you know, beat each other. I like the, uh, the strategy of it, especially when they get down on the grappling. I wish I knew more about like the jujitsu and stuff. I have, but... I have a couple buddies here who are like, they actually train in, you know, a couple friends train in jujitsu or train in this. And Matt, like me watching, I'm like, Oh, these two guys just beating the hell out of each other. That's entertaining. And they're, looking at the technique and breaking everything down it's a whole different world to me but two titles are up for gla- grabs on the stacked ufc 230 273 not 237 not give them enough credit there the 273 fight card join the action with DraftKings sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the ufc new customers can bet five dollars on any fighter and get a hundred dollars in free bets win or lose guaranteed that sounds like a pretty good deal to me, even if you're not a UFC guy. If Sportsbook isn't official, I- available in your state yet, you can still get on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions of dollars in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. 
Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. You heard that. No matter what. That's promo code TPPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This thing keeps rotating around. Obviously, it's not football season, so we went through the NBA. We went through college basketball. Now it's UFC time. Very interested to see what DraftKings has in store for us next. But we are... It could be a fun sport for betting. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like a lot of sports, you know, you place a money line bet or spread bet at the beginning of the game. By like midway through, you might know how it's going to go. But a fighting sport, your guy you might be know. down. Yeah. He might be like, you know, wobbling around on one leg, whatever, half his eyes out. But one punch. And it also could be one that cashes in like eight seconds, right? Like a college football game, you might have to wait around four hours to see if it's going to cash or not. This thing could be done in eight seconds. Like you, you just never know. So that that's it's something that's kind of come on my radar as of late, and uh, it's 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 exciting. I have I know nothing about the techniques and the you know kind of fundamental side of it, but it's definitely entertaining. I'll, I'll definitely give them that. It's crazy how fast they wear out. I'm just going to make this a tangent now. DraftKings uh, <laughs> will love it. It's crazy how fast like boxers will go 10 rounds in championship fights, even longer. Like, what is it? Three minutes around. And those guys are exhausted too. Don't get me wrong. But the UFC guys, three rounds, three or five minutes. Uh, I can't remember. I'm an amateur at this, but uh, that stuff wears you out. Like wrestling. Have you ever wrestled even like casually, like you and your buddy just like had a couple beers and you end up, you know, just no because each other because one of our one of our good friends in high school uh alec meridian shout out probably not listening uh went to cc so cc is a wrestling powerhouse for those who are unfamiliar when we were in school we won like three out of the four state championships i say we i obviously wasn't on the wrestling team there was a kid in our class who at the time by graduation he was like 152 and two or something (laughs) and it was the whole he would come in when they were doing their weigh-ins he would come in for a week straight and he would come to lunch with like a bottle of water and like three baby carrots (laughs) and and they would have workouts at 5 a.m workouts after right after school for like three hours full sweatsuit like hoodie sweatpants and a garbage bag oh on top of that it was like jesus christ these kids are absolute psychopaths yeah one of the uh even even at that age one of the younger guys i know he's like 13 i think he's a freshman in high school maybe eighth grade but he's on a wrestling team first year in wrestling and he's like yeah i want i wanted to join wrestling to learn how to like basically work out to exhaustion like just just like work myself (laughs) until I couldn't anymore because that's just, that's their sport. And I remember in high school, I'd go by their practices, you know, just walking along, see them in the gym after my practice, whatever. And these dudes, they just look like they're about to, they're on like death's doorstep, but 
coach is like, keep it going. Come on. And yeah, I don't know. I, I said last week, I think gymnasts are some of the best athletes in the, in the world. I think wrestlers are some of the most well-conditioned athletes. I don't know how athletic psycho, you have to dude. be in a traditional sense, but wow. Yeah. I, sports. so I, we're, we're down the rabbit hole already. We might as well continue. I shattered my ankle in high school playing uh, basketball. Just it was after school one day. We were just in the gym playing some hoops, and the gym, the auxiliary gym in our high school, is right connected with the wrestling room. And we were playing. I went up for a rebound, and I it was one of the, you just come down on somebody else's foot, and your ankle rolls over. And there was, and you could hear the crack. It echoed in the gym. And everybody else that was playing just stopped right away. It was like, oh, no, something just ran over to the wrestling coach because we knew he was in there. They were doing practice and was like, hey, we need help over here. And he comes in. He's like, ah, oh, like he he knew me. I was in one of his classes. He's like, oh, KP, you're fine, dude. Get up. I'm like, no, I just shattered my ankle. And he's like, come on, man. you're fine. Get up. And I'm like, no, 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 it echoed. <laughs> and, and so he kind of helps me up on the one shoulder and hobbles me into uh, our athletic trainer's office. And our athletic trainer comes in. He's like, ah, what's the problem? And the wrestling coach is just like, ah, he's complaining about something. He's probably fine. I got to get back to practice. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what? I tore a ligament, shattered the growth plate, broke another bone. <laughs> I was like, this asshole man it's, but that would that's just the wrestling coach dude those guys are crazy yeah what was the toughest sport you played in terms of just practice difficulty probably lacrosse i was a midi in lacrosse and that's it's a just a running. ton of running just yeah. tons and tons of running yeah i'd say football for me but baseball my coach would have days where he'd just be in a mood and we just run way more than any baseball player should ever be required to run. It's not a running sport. It's a standing <laughs> right. sport with a couple sprints here and there, but it's not a running sport. So that was just a I one of my buddies there. always complained about running in baseball practice. I'm like, dude, I, I don't believe you. Anyway, All right, we got uh, linebackers to talk speaking about <laughs> of practice. Speaking of practice, we have a spring game coming up. Uh, we should probably plug the contest. I'll let you do that. But we did hear about the spring game format again this year. Sounds a lot like last year. Uh, some practice drills in the first half. It said some of the media stuff was like 15 minutes. It, the, the way it read was like 15 minutes of practice drills for the first half and then a live scrimmage for the second half. So I don't know if that means the whole thing is supposed to be a half hour. That seems kind of unlikely. Or if it's going to be like 15 minute segments of different drills and then they're going to go to the live scrimmage kevin i don't know if you have more details no i it just read the the article that they put out that was going through all of the you know parking and stuff like that just the format for everything so it like you said it looks a lot like last year and at the spring well right after the spring game we will announce the winner of our giveaway we mentioned it on the podcast on monday I posted the tweet so you can go find that at Standing Room MSU with all of the rules um, succinct, clear. I think uh, there are two t shirts that were given away one of the Charles Brantley interception, one of the Jaden Reed catch against Penn State, both from Breaking T. 
These are NIL licensed shirts for Charles Brantley and Jaden Reed. So both of those guys will get a cut. And to enter, you just need to retweet the tweet for an entry or for three entries, you can leave us a podcast review. You can either leave the handle in your review. I've seen a couple people do it that way. Or you can just DM me a, uh, a screenshot of your review. Uh, I've had some people do that as well. So as an example, since we can uh, we can shout out a couple people here, I have had uh, a couple reviews come across the radar here from SpartyFan52 says, as an MSU alum and diehard fan, there's a lot of options for MSU football content, but few break it down in an informative and fun to listen way like Scott and Kevin. Go green. Go green. Go white, Sparty fan fifty two. Uh, hashtag Tuck coming at Mayo Mayo Neg or Mayon Egg. Can't really tell that one. We had uh, yeah, we've we've had a few reviews here, and we really appreciate everybody for doing that and getting in. There is still plenty of time as long as you get it in before the spring game. That is the the cutoff. So you can find that tweet at Standing Room MSU that breaks down the rules. And uh, we're we're having some fun with it, so let's keep that rolling. So yeah, it should be fun. Speaking of the spring, we are kind of rolling through the practices here, and we're getting some news and notes this week. We were kind of joking; it felt like propaganda week. A lot of uh, pumping up the young guys, pumping up the old guys. It was a lot of uh, you know we have the best players in the country, kind of speaking, which is always fun. Uh, but we're talking linebackers. We're focused on the linebackers here today. And it's a little bit of an extension of last episode, right? Because we mentioned how Marco Coleman talked about trying out some of these linebackers at edge rusher and and just kind of moving some pieces around. So we started talking a little bit about uh, Jacoby Winman, about Aaron Brule, the incoming transfers from UNLV and from Mississippi State, respectively. And uh, there's there's a lot of interesting dynamics to come into play. Scott, I'm going to start you off with a question. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Last year, there was a bit of a rotation, right? But for the most part, we saw two linebackers take the majority of snaps when they were both healthy and available. You had Cal Halliday and you had Quiveris Crouch. Crouch missed a couple games due to injury, but when they were both on the field, that was primarily the unit, right? With the additions of Aaron Brule from Mississippi State, of Jacoby Winman from UNLV, uh, with the development of Ma'a Nauteote, with everything kind of going on in that linebacker room, what is the percentage chance that the primary linebackers are Cal Halliday and Quaveras Crouch once again? Uh, this is assuming assuming we stick to a primarily a four two five. But you know, we'll we'll kind of get into some of that because I think we we've mentioned it a couple times already. But I think some scheme changes are coming. But if we assume two primary linebackers, percentage chance that Cal Halliday and Quaveras Crouch just kind of run it back, and and those two are are the guys. In my opinion, um, yeah. I put it at like 5%. I, 
I had. I think Jacoby so. Winman is going to be the next star of this defense. And I don't think he's necessarily going to usurp Cal Halliday as like the dude at linebacker, but I think I think those two are clearly the best two linebackers on the team. Um, yeah, I, so Crouch had so I I had the numbers up here. Um, Cal Halliday, I mean he he barely ever left the field last year. He was a freshman All American, uh, tied for the the team lead in tackles with ninety six. He played eight hundred and sixty two snaps last year. That was third on the defense. Coiveros Crouch six hundred and seventy two snaps really high number there as well so I, it was really those two guys and then a couple rotations here and there but um that was it and then you bring in you mentioned jacoby winman and uh and aaron brule yeah so the way i break this down this whole linebacker room i've got halliday and uh winman as your top two guys i think as the kind of second string every down linebackers you've got crouch and now teote I think they both have enough of a well-rounded repertoire to play those spots. I think Brule and uh, who am I thinking of? I was going to say Ben Van Summeren, but he's transferring out. I have my roster in front of me. I should use it once in a while. Uh, (laughs) Tank Brown, I think, are kind of package guys, edge rushing guys. I think Brule may have a little more to his game than that. I think Tank Brown, did they officially move him to – He's still line. listed on the roster as linebacker, okay. but but it literally says when you click on his bio that uh, made the position change from linebacker to defensive end during preseason camp. Like, All right, so there you go, folks. Uh, yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting. I think that second line could be a little shaky, not shakier, but um, in flux than the way I describe it. I think Brule could find his way into the every down backs too. It really depends on scheme, but if they stay with the four two five. I think Winman and Halliday are your clear top two. I also think while we're throwing names in the mix, especially if we go to like a three, four with two ends, kind of the Aiden Hutchinson position, I think Chris Bogle is a great fit for that. He actually came to Florida as a linebacker in transition to defensive end. So if you go three, four, I think he makes a perfect edge. Um, And Darius Snow, not at edge, but if you go to like a traditional 4-3 or a little bit looser 4-3, I think he's a perfect fit to play like a big nickel kind of weak side linebacker. Yeah, he's he's been practicing with the linebackers yeah. and I've mostly viewed it to this point as cross training more than anything, but he could be a a, a really good weak side linebacker. I, like he he is a little small. But at the end of the day, with how with how a lot of football is played right now, Darius Snow, he's 220. I mean, that's plenty big for a weak side linebacker against Purdue, right? Is that going to get the job done against Wisconsin? No. But against Purdue? Yeah. So, like, y- you look at certain game plans, you look at certain opponents, and I think the Darius Snow practicing with the linebackers thing that that might be real. That might. I mean, Aaron Brule is listed as 220 pounds. Quaveras Crouch looked huge on the field last year. He's listed at 230. Like it's not a huge difference between Snow and those those guys. So I don't. You know, I don't. I'm not buying the whole Darius Snow is now a linebacker. But 
there might be a little bit more fire to that smoke than um, than meets the eye, I guess. Yeah, the way I look at this is on the back end of the defense. I mean, up front, there's a lot of different ways you could go. But on the back end, you've really got at least two linebackers, at least four defensive backs, and then you've got one role to play with. And that spot, whether it's lined up as a nickel corner or a weak side linebacker or whatever else, uh, I'm not a scheme expert on defense, but that really dictates what kind of defense you're running on the back end. And I think there's a lot of different, I think that specific position is going to dictate a lot of what this Michigan state defense looks like this year. Last year, they loved the slot corners. Um, most of the time it was a smaller guy and they even talked this off season. There's guys moving into that position from the corner position. If that's any indication of what they plan to do, I think it's also just going to be a multiple defense more this year than it was previously. Now that guys kind of have familiarity with that base four two five, you can start building larger packages in, um, in the four, three in the three, four. So, and the thing with that, so the limitation on that is always that, your college players don't have as much time, right? They're, they're limited in the amount of time you get in the film room on the practice field. But like you said, when you have a couple years in the system already, now the, the interesting thing is trying to figure out the transfers that are coming in, but you have a couple of guys who this system and this formation and this scheme, they already have that down. So now we can build on it. And that introduce i think it's going to be really the the way i'm seeing it play out this year is that it's all going to be game plan specific it's going to be when we're playing ohio state and maryland it's going to be that 425 there's going to be five defensive backs on the field every snap right but when we're playing wisconsin and michigan and illinois we're going to have a, a few more bodies up in that front. It's going to be more of a front seven than a front six. We're going to have a few more big bodies up there. Maybe that's where Coiveras Crouch, who a lot of people are kind of just counting out of the discussion, that's where he starts coming back into the formations. And uh, maybe that's where Ma'anauteote at 245 pounds starts kind of getting, uh, getting into the mix, right? I, I do think it's going to be a lot more game plan specific scheme this year than it has been it just just from kind of monitoring the transactions if you will monitoring who we're bringing in what type of guys we're bringing in because brulee and uh and winman if you looked at kind of what's their biggest selling point what's the the most valuable part of their game i think for both of them it's their versatility they're both guys you could play off the edge and rush the passer. They're really good in blitzing. They're pretty good in pass coverage. They're pretty good in the run. Like they're all they're both really versatile guys. And that was kind of one of the main selling points last year with Cal Halliday, too. So you have a bunch of versatility in the linebacker room. If we're if we're counting Darius Snow in this conversation, he fits into that really well, too. So I, I think it's going to be a lot of matchup defenses that that could get really interesting. The problem with that again is with college football, you only have you have a you have a capped amount of time. There's only so much time you have with these kids to teach them the playbook. They get to do they get to keep the playbook, right? So it's up to them to do their homework. But um, that's that's where some problems could come into play. But 
that's the I think that's the ceiling of this defense is is playing really multiple and and game to game, week to week, changing it up a little bit. As a side note, you mentioned the the time to teach is limited, and Mel Tucker and his staff have said that they love and plenty of coaches say this is not just Mel Tucker, but they're looking for guys who love the game because guys who love the game are going to go back to their apartment or their dorm and hang out with their football roommate and go through the playbook because they love it or watch film because they love it or whatever. That's going to improve their game because they just want to, they find joy in that. um, And they love learning about the game and getting better. So that's anyway, side note, but um, yeah, this linebacker group, it is very versatile. Cal Halliday, even uh, we saw last year, not so much uh, rushing the passer, but great in the run stop and in pass coverage. He obviously had a knack for timely interceptions, um, and he just seems to see the game like great linebackers do. I think that's kind of a prerequisite to being one of those really phenomenal, I'm not going to say generational or anything, but you know, one of, you know the guys, the Max Bullows, those types of guys where Joe Bocci, where the game just comes to them. They have that internal knack where they, they know where the play's going before it's snapped. Um, he seems to have that. I was looking through Jacoby Winman because I was really excited when we got him. He's got a great highlight tape. His athleticism just pops off the tape. But I was always viewing him as kind of a defensive backfield player. I knew he had some sacks. I figured maybe it was just a package thing. He was honorable mention all Mountain West two years ago as a defensive lineman. As yep. a defensive end, I didn't realize he he officially had that designation as an actual defensive lineman. Um, I thought he just had great pass rushing skills as a linebacker. He was second team All Mountain West at linebacker last year. So again, speaking to his versatility, um, it's tough to know how a guy's game is going to transfer from a. I, don't, I hate to be too pretentious about it, but from a lower conference to a better conference like the Big Ten. So. It's possible I'm making more out of this than it is. It's always possible. But I do think he, of all these new faces or guys that maybe didn't get on the field as much last year, I think he's going to be the biggest name to watch. And I think I think he's going to be better than serviceable this year. I think he's going to be good, if not great, um, at Michigan State. And and on that note, since you bring up with Winman playing edge, uh, Aaron Brule, I have it right in front of me coming from Mississippi State in 2020. So this is two seasons ago now. In 11 games, they played a a couple more than we did at Michigan State. He led all FBS linebackers in pass rush snaps, total pressures generated, and QB hurries. So he was listed as a linebacker. He played primarily linebacker, but they did a lot of 3-3-5 stuff where he would actually as a linebacker on the weak side, he would line up on the edge, like on the line of scrimmage and just rush, rush the passer. Um, I was watching a lot of Mississippi state. He's, he's a really good player, man. I'm, I'm really excited about Brule as well. It's, it's almost like we went from last year for most of the season. We, we talked about the water boy, Cal Halliday being like, all right, this dude, he's a guy, right? He's, he's more than just a, just a you know another player in there he's a dude and then crouch was just some plays he looked great some plays he looked lost some plays he was kind of just there and we were like all right this this holiday dude is for real the, the water boy is for real we just need to figure out the other spot 
And then immediately when the season ended, we brought in Winman and Brule, and it gave you a sign of thinking, all right, the coaching staff clearly thinks there's a weak link and that some scheme changes are necessary because if you're going to stick with the primary four two five and only play two linebackers, and Cal Halliday was that good last year to be a freshman All-American, and I know the the accolades don't mean anything to the coaching staff. They just see what they see on tape, and, and they trust that, right? But I think it would be hard to argue that Halliday was anything but pretty outstanding as a freshman linebacker last year. And so when you bring in two linebackers immediately in the transfer portal as priority kind of positions, that tells me that there are some there are some scheme changes coming. And Brule and Winman, to your point, both really, really exciting pieces to bring in to bring some, you know, talent and versatility to the defense. So I, I'm really interested to see where they go in that direction. Scott, on that note. We have glowingly talked about uh, Brule, Windman, Halliday, especially uh, on top of the other guys who who might break through. If I said that at the end of the 2022 season, one linebacker from Michigan State was named first team All Big Ten, who is the most likely? to be that guy if you had to choose just one the most likely player at the end of this season to be a first team all big 10 hmm. it would be who it would be whom oh, i'm sorry <laughs> look at you english major whomst the whomst uh i'm gonna go with cal halliday i want to say jacoby winman because like i said i'm super excited about him i think he's athletic enough to make a big splash if the, if the game comes to him in the new team and the new scheme i think he could be a phenomenal player but cal halliday is a proven quantity at michigan state he was like you said a freshman all-american um i don't know if he did he get all big 10 honors i should see honorable mention by media and coaches there you go Third team, all Big Ten by Phil Steele, the only one that really matters. Uh, <laughs> the only one that knows a damn thing about football. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's he looked so comfortable already, which as a freshman is so rare. It's one thing to make plays as a freshman. You know, you had Chuck Brantley. He made plays, but he didn't always look comfortable out there. Sometimes he was like, oh, this is, this is a really fast game. Cal Halliday, the game never seemed to move too fast for him. At his, He was a redshirt freshman last year. At that age and that experience level, that is something you can't teach. So you know he's confident enough. You could see his game already starting to flourish that young. And another offseason – building that confidence, becoming a leader for this defense, trusting his instincts with a, with a year of film to look back on and say, damn, I really did make some plays last year. I think he he's, I mean, it's still Xavier Henderson's defense until he leaves the team. Yeah. But I think by and large, this is going to also be Cal Halliday's defense. And, and think about people say bowl games don't matter. Right, that's the whole thing nowadays. Bowl, meaningless bowl games, bowl games don't matter. That drives me crazy. But Cal Halliday with 22 seconds left in the Peach Bowl against Pitt has a 78-yard pick six to seal the game. And that is how you enter the offseason. You just had a freshman All-American caliber season. 
you tied for the team lead in tackles with 96. And with 22 seconds left in your season, in what was formerly a BCS Bowl, what is now a New Year's Six Bowl, against the ACC champions with the game on the line, Pitts driving, you have a 78-yard pick six, and that is how you end the year. That's how you enter the offseason. That momentum matters, and and I don't really care what anybody else tells me about how bowl games don't matter. It's just, you know, an exhibition game. That is a, what, probably 19-year-old kid? I, I don't have his birth date in front of me, but probably a 19-year-old kid who just ended his season with an 80-yard pick six in a, in a huge bowl game. You're telling me that that doesn't give him the warm fuzzies going into the offseason, and that doesn't, you know push him to do one more rep in the weight room and push him to do one more sprint out on the field before practice ends. Like this stuff matters, man, especially to kids this age. And, and I'm really excited to see the kind of upward trajectory of our guy, the water boy. And don't forget that was, that was a nickname that was coined here on the standing room Spartans podcast. Do you think there was like a butterfly effect of that nickname that got to Gus Johnson or whoever it was? Like, (laughs) we like to laugh because we were first and we were first. You can go back and get the receipts if you're so inclined. But um, it also caught on otherwise. And I I can hear Gus Johnson saying, Cal Halliday, the water boy. Like, I know he said it. So, like, do you think that was by chance or do you think some listener told some friend who told some friend who told some media member who told another and Gus Johnson? I mean, I, I feel like we planted the real seed here. The, there is a butterfly effect that went from Standing Room Spartans podcast to Gus Johnson national broadcast on like the fourth biggest broadcast of the college football season. I absolutely. He owes us royalties. Give us There's no doubt guys. about that. <laughs> get him to pay up and get uh, him on the pod. That's right. Can you imagine the energy? Um, he's he's a Detroit guy. He's a local guy. Yeah, there's a lot of broadcasters. Isn't Mike Tarico a Michigan guy? I think he's a university. Of, I was but... listening to is right. I I was listening to an interview with Gus Johnson on another podcast. I don't even remember which one now, but. He was talking about how he kind of cut his teeth going through the business to get to where he is now. And he was talking about announcing like uh, amateur hockey games. And imagine Gus Johnson in like the OHL announcing because those guys fight every like eight minutes of game time. Like imagine Gus Johnson in the booth for like the local, you know, I don't know, Winnipeg radio call for the OHL game. <laughs> and, just, and they're dropping the gloves again. <laughs> like, That'd be phenomenal. Oh, man, that, that is a great. It's it's an honor to listen to Gus John. I don't care anybody. I From time to time, I'll come across a tweet on the timeline. And I I genuinely think about blocking any any negative Gus Johnson uh, posts on Twitter. You you might get blocked this year. Gus Johnson is a national treasure. Uh, but rewinding here, Cal Halliday, the Water Boy, Butterfly Effect started on the Standing Room Spot started Standing Room Spartans podcast. Uh, electric and 
you know it's funny i you know, i was just kind of going back and and watching through parts of the season it is funny how identical the two pick sixes were against indiana and mm-hmm. against pitt it was the same play on the offense he was in the same spot he took the same route to the end zone uh it's it, he had a hell of a season it's it's a great way to start your career they like said i'm i'm just really excited to see where this could go because Remember last year going into the season and shout out SL Brownie, Scott L. Brown, who's going to come on the podcast. He in a mailbag or it was a bold, it was a hot takes, bold predictions, whatever we, we coined it as. And he said that Cal Halliday was going to be a starting linebacker. And we were like, eh, no because remember going into Northwestern, nobody knew the depth chart. Nobody know, nobody knew what was going on with, with uh, who was going to start, who was going to be out. And, and the whole story was that there were basically five linebackers that the staff felt almost equally comfortable. And we didn't really know who was going to start of those five. And we were like, we kind of ran through the list. We're like, all right, Noah Harvey, he started all of last year. He's probably in that group. Um, Quaveras Crouch, we just brought him in, former five-star athlete, started in the FCC. He's probably in that group. Uh, ben Van Sumeren, just brought him in from Michigan. He's probably in that group. Uh, Ma'anauteote, highest-ranked recruit in the class. He's probably in that group. And then Cal Halliday, I don't know. I've I've heard some noise around him during the spring. Like, sure, toss his name in that group. But, like, now, you know. <laughs> And and Scott L. Brown was like, no, 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 Waterboy's starting, and uh, we we laughed at it. We we're like, yeah, come on, Cal Halliday's not starting. And and look at us now, freshman All American, led the team in tackles. That is why you cannot miss the Scott Brown. No, it's going to be great Spartans appearance. And why, you know, as much as we love to talk about football all year long, and, you know, this is this is not an anti-advertisement for our own podcast, but why everything you hear in the spring, it's, it's just conversation. It's not anything super meaningful in terms of who's going to play, who's not going to play, who's going to be a starter, who's not going to be a starter. Nobody knows. Nobody knows right now. We're I think the the point of spring football conversations is just uh it's just conversation. Like I said, I mean it's it's just kind of hypothetical situations and what if this and what if this and you start to kind of narrow things down, but but nobody knows in what's it today's March seventh as I'm recording, March sixth as we're recording. Nobody knows. Except Scott. Except Scott Brown. <laughs> That's our first question. We're going to ask him to repeat his magic. He got that right. He won the bracket challenge. This man can see the future. We're going to ask him, all right, 2022 MSU football, who's the guy no one's talking about? And How much money can, can I make from King. Scott Brown? <laughs> you can find yeah. some back alley future on like total snaps for MSU football freshmen or something. And uh, you can put your hard earned money on Scott Brown's wise words. 
you want to hear something wild? So I, I have Cal Halliday's bio up and, you know, we're down the rabbit hole. So this is, I, I don't know if anybody's ever gone through this, his bio uh, in his high school career. So first of all, won three straight state titles, finished with a varsity record of 63 and one, is the all-time leading tackler in school history, four-time first-team All-State, uh, and let's see here, in his senior season, led the Tigers with nine tackles and a 39-yard interception return for a touchdown <laughs> in the state championship game. Scott, you want to guess what the score of that state championship game was over Avonworth? Unfortunately, I was reading along with you in his bio, so I can see it, but I'll let you inform our <laughs> listeners. So so I'm going to play this off as like, a, you know, he made a big play to seal it for his team. It was 74 to 7. <laughs> imagine, imagine you're Avonworth. You're going into a state title game. You're, you're one of the best two teams in the state. <laughs> it was 74 to 7. And this is class 2A. I don't know Pennsylvania sports hierarchy, but 2A, like 2 is only the second number for those counting. And A is the first letter. So it's got to be a pretty, like this is, sometimes you hear about those like D6, sometimes like those UP schools, right? And like, there's only so many schools up there, only so many They're athletes. playing like seven-man football or right, something. Right, right. And you get some weird scores. But like if, in Michigan, if the Division Two final was, that would be like Belleville and... Uh, maybe I have it wrong, but it's th- those are good teams. Pennsylvania is a pretty solid. It's not the best, but a pretty solid uh, high school football state. Seventy-four to seven. I mean, there's there's times in sports, even in like professional sports, when you catch a game and you're like, I know mercy rules. Like they're not really very popular past like I don't know middle school, but like some games, they they just force your mind to revisit like. <laughs> Like, should we have one in like should back of the rule book? Like, I'm talking like 60 points in a football game. Like, maybe we could just wrap it up and go get some drinks or something. Like, do we yeah. really need to play this out? Coming yeah. from somebody who lost in a state title game at Ford Field by a lot of points against Cast Tech, uh, I I got in on an onside kick at the end. I got a tackle. I got um. So, so I, I don't regret a damn thing about losing by 40 points, but <laughs> that said, it would have been nice to wrap that thing up a little quicker. Um, Scott, quick hitters here as we end. I want, I want less than 10 words in your answer. Is Ma'a Nauteote a significant role player in 2022? No. That's the whole answer. Okay. Is Ben Van Sumeren in some sort? It Does Ben Van Sumeren play non-special team snaps in 2022? No, because I think he's still trying to transfer. Oh, shoot. You're right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, he's in the portal, but he's he's practicing through the spring, right? The staff was basically like, all right, you know, I know you're in the portal. You're probably leaving, but 
stick around with us. You know, you don't have to just go sit at home. You're right. Your defense is still on the roster. Right, Uh, right. And And he is a We saw it with Connor Hayward. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, he's not gone till he's gone. So, uh, but I don't, I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, Okay. Those were my two closing questions here. Since we, we talked mostly about the starters, I was curious about kind of potential rotational guys. Um, any closing thoughts here before we get out of here? Yeah. One closing question, wrap up the linebackers. Give me your expected top four snap counts for linebackers. We're not including like the, like the Darius snows or the Chris boat. Yeah. 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 Linebackers. Number one, Cal Halliday. He'll lead the group in snaps. Number two, Jacoby Winman versatility. He'll he'll have a lot of snaps. Number three, Aaron Brule, similar to Winman. They're both players who can play a lot of different roles and different packages and sub packages. Number four, Quaveras Crouch. I still think he'll have a big role, but not nearly as much as he did last year. Yeah, I like it. Um, the transfers are tough. Like I said, you, you never know what direction they'll go. I'd like to believe they are kind of 2A, 2B, or 2 and 3. Um, but we'll see. I think it's a good group, though. Like you said, going into last year, we had five guys, none of which kind of excited us. And at the time, we were kind of thinking we might have to field three linebackers every play. If we stick to two linebackers this year, I think we got a solid two deep we can feel good about. Um, There's some other areas on the defense we'll be talking about next episode. Uh, One of those that I think is a little shakier, but I don't think linebacker, barring any injuries, knock on wood, I don't think it's a position we have to – worry about too much this offseason. No, yeah, there's there's starting quality, there's depth quality, right? It's 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 a fun group, I think, top to bottom. There's there's more than just one guy. There's more than just two guys and and a, and a lot of eligibility left. Quiveris Crouch uh and Jacoby Winman both seniors, but Maanauteote, young player, Cal Halliday, young player, like you know, Aaron Brule is, is an older guy as well, but there there's some potential uh, with the younger guys as well. So it's, it's an exciting group that we're really interested to follow here as, as the spring game comes closer and we're going to get our eyes on these guys uh, uh, for a significant portion of time, at least. So we're very excited about that. We will see you guys Monday. Like I said, uh, make sure you get in on the contest. We're giving away a couple t-shirts. You're going to want a chance at that. And uh, just check out the Twitter and Facebook group. They're they're both have promoted that. So just click on the links in the episode in the show notes and you will see that. And uh, other than that, we really appreciate the support throughout the offseason. And we will see you guys on Monday. So until then, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.